You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men share their fatherhood journey. These conversations are transparent and, more importantly, vulnerable. Now, because each fatherhood story is situationally nuanced, some topics are heavier than others. The commonality found amongst all the guests is a genuine desire to help and inspire other men through telling their story. And now, here's your host, Derek Johns. Derek Johns. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men have vulnerable conversations about the fatherhood journey. Now. Sometimes those conversations are heavy. Sometimes they're light. Changes from guest to guest. I never know until I start the show. As you see on the split screen, I have a guest in the podcast uh, space tonight in my virtual studio, Mr. Rod Richard II. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. How are you, my brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm I'm feeling blessed and I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, love to have a smiling face on the other end. It makes it, it, it makes it a lot lighter. Now you're you're in the podcast space too, man. Tell the folks a little bit about what uh, your message is and, and about your podcast because I don't want to forget that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a podcast as well that's that's directed towards fatherhood. Um, it's called the Four Fit Fatherhood Podcast. Um, we kind of focus on on four basic tenets that I think are really important in fatherhood. That's that's family, faith, finance, and fitness. Um, so I kind of talk about each one of those topics, each episode, or if I have a guest on, we may dive further into one of those. It may be more of a financial thing or more of a faith-based thing, but, uh, we try to cover those four bases. Cause I think, like I said, those are kind of like the four pillars, uh, yeah. that hold up fatherhood. That's awesome, man. And, and, and what helped me, um, in, in managing my podcast was having pillars too, right? So for ours is we want to reveal trauma. We want to heal from the trauma and we want to help others through telling the stories of it all. So I definitely appreciate you having a structure to your podcast, folks. Everything will be linked below. And as we get into the story, I'm sure you will want to subscribe to his content. Now, let's get to it, man. Uh, Rod Richard II. That's the last time I'm saying I'm going to call you Rod. But <laughs> but, but the second, man, the second means that your, your father had some pride in the name and gave it to you, man. What, is it, yeah. what does it mean to you? Um, you know what is, is my, my father was named by his aunt. Um, nobody else in our family is named Rod or even think anything remotely close to it. Um, but it, you know, he, he wanted his first son. Uh, I actually ended up turning out to be his only son, uh, uh-huh. to be named after him. Um, so I, uh, 
you know, I wear that that badge with with honor um, yeah. and everything that I do because, you know, for the longest time I was Little Rod. Um, and so no matter where I went, no matter how big I got to a point, I was yeah. Little Rod. And even some of my aunties to this day will call me Little Rod, even though I'm, I'm about five inches taller than my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I love it. Um, you know, we didn't get a middle name, so we're just rolling with it. Uh, you know, Rod Richard, no middle name, and I'm the same. Yeah. 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 I, I wish I wish my dad had, had omitted my middle name, but that's a <laughs> that's a topic for another discussion. So clearly your father, what how what kind of father well not what kind of father are you yet, but um tell us about your family. How many kids you have, boys, girls? So I have I have two daughters, two girls, uh oh. nine and seven. Um and I am a, a like I got a dog, I guess that's the only boy I got in the house. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> but uh but yeah, man, I'm a girl dad through and through. Yeah. Are you uh if it's not too invasive, are, are you still holding out for the boy? Is it is that in no, the cards? It's done deal. Done deal. Done deal. <laughs> we are a complete family at this point. We have gotcha. talked about uh potentially ad adopting. Okay. Um, but but nothing as of yet. So just the two for now. Yeah. How how did you uh, how did you come to that um agreement? Was it a tough conversation? And, and I and I'll give you some background. I mean, I had two girls first, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh of course, well not of course, but for me, I was hoping for a boy at some point, and the third one was a boy. And then we had a space of time where we thought we were done, and then number four came along, and that was a girl. And my son was so heartbroken because it was, you know, he had two older sisters and he was hoping for a boy. Yeah. When we had the reveal party, he literally walked out of the room crying. Like we had to go get him because he was just, he was so heartbroken and there was so much girl energy. A year later, whatever we were doing kept working and we had number five and that was a, and that was a boy. Okay. But I, we realized that we never really talked about how big we wanted our family to be. Is that, was that an intentional conversation that uh, you, and I assume you're married, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Was that was that an intentional conversation? Because I'm always interested in the father's perspective of of how many kids they want. Yeah. You know what's funny is is my wife is is one of four, mm. um, and I I have four sisters, um, but with my mom I'm the only child. Um, okay. And so I grew up as a as an only child. So initially I was like, yo, we can have one. Like I'm looking at myself, <laughs> we can have one and we'd be good. Like yeah. you know, one kid, you know, it's two on one. We can manage that. <laughs> and uh, and so we didn't really have like other than that, we didn't really have yeah. too much of a conversation about like how many kids we wanted to have. I think it was just kind of like we knew we wanted to have our first one and right. we had the first one. And then, you know, we were like, we were still open to the opportunity to have, you know, more, more children. Yeah. Um, and then the second one came and um, my wife had to have a C-section both times. Um, and according to the doctor, had this been, you know, the early 1900s, she wouldn't have made it. That the yeah. first, the first labor before she had to have the C-section, uh, she was in labor for 39 hours. Eesh. And wow. then the second one was scheduled, but, but, uh, you know, just, just her body type is just, she was, she's not going to be able to have a normal childbirth. So I was like, look, you, we got on the table twice to a massive surgery. Like, I don't know if we should do this again. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I would love to have another child and I know we could give the love that a child needs, but yeah. at what risk, you know? 
Um, and yeah. so we decided after the second that, that, uh, you know, everything was, we were, we were very happy. I mean, she's, she definitely completes the, uh, completes the, the book for us, for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. And I, and I appreciate you saying, I know that's kind of, uh, kind of family, family, deep family details. So I appreciate you sharing it. Cause I think, I think it'll be helpful to somebody. Did you, what age were you when, when, uh, when your children were born? Uh, the first one I was 29. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was 29. All right. So you're much later in life than I was. And my wife and I had a conversation on another podcast a couple of weeks ago, like postpartum, like that whole process of what it is. Yeah. I was so unaware of what she was going through and I was there, but because my wife was a trooper, like she's ex-military, she does, she has a high level of t pain tolerance and all of this. She never showed me that she was not well, you know, like, mm -hmm. like she was struggling with something. So I was, I was going on, you know, I, for me, we went to the hospital, she had a baby, labors weren't long, but we just now, and our youngest kid is seven, she had postpartum issues that I was so unaware of that impacted our relationship. And we never talked about it until, like I said, a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not asking you about postpartum for your wife. I'm asking, were you aware at 29 of all the things that she needed during her pregnancy and were you able to show up in, in those, in those ways? Um, I would say yes and no. Okay. Um, and, and the reason I, I would say yes is because I, at the time when we found out that she was pregnant, I was working, um, away from home. I was working with the New York Mets. So I was spending mm. six months out of the year away from home, uh, with like visits every once in a while. And then six months I was home. Yeah. And uh, when I found out that she was pregnant, I was like, yo, I, I don't need to, I can't do this anymore. So I committed myself to being home um, and, and quit. Like I literally quit. Wait, 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 oh, because I was, I was with you to a point, the whole working away from home. I went yeah. overseas for a year to provide, mm -hmm. but you made a pivot in real time. Like how, is it just as simple as family is, is more important or like, what would you, what were you going through? How did like walk us through? Yeah. I, it had to be the conversation in your head at least. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, without, you know, I mean, I guess we get into it. So my, my, when I was young, my father was, he was in my life, like real heavy. Him and my mom were married until I was four or five. Mm. Um, and then they had their issues. He had his own little thing that he was, he was dealing with. Um, and so they split up. And so, you know, my interactions with my dad for a real long time were like almost not there. It was a couple of years, three or four years where I didn't even see him. Wow. Um, and then when I did get to see him, it was like the visitation thing. So it was like every other weekend, uh, you know, a month in the summer, Christmas, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Right. And then when I started playing sports and got a little more serious, I had games and practices. And so I couldn't go anymore. So it was like that period of time where like, I, I was missing having a father. And so when I found out I was going to be a father, I wanted to make sure that there was no part of it that I was going to miss. Got it. Right. Even, even in the parts where the, the child wasn't here, like I wanted to be available for the doctor visits. Right. I wanted to be there and be present because my sisters are older than me and they, they had, you know, their relationships with baby, baby daddies and things like that, where like dudes were just weren't around. And I know what they struggle with having to go through pregnancies without, you know, without having a father around and I'm like, yo, I can't, I can't do that. I need to be, I need to be dad from, from inception to, 
you know, to, to the end of, of life, you know what I mean? And so yeah. when we found out, uh, we were actually on like a, a vacation. Um, I had a little time off. So we took like a weekend vacation and she wasn't feeling right. So we, we got things checked out and I was like, love, uh, I'm gonna be a dad. I'm, I'm gotta come home. I gotta yeah. come home. Yeah. So what did, what did you, so clearly family, family, your wife's health, family health is, is primary, but there's also a financial aspect of it. Like how did, of how course. did, were you prepared? How did you pivot? Like what, what were those thoughts like, or, or you're just going to figure it out. You had to make a decision and you're going to figure it out. And ultimately you did. Yeah. I mean, I had connections with, uh, with some people like, I, I, I mean, you know, I knew of some gyms and facilities that I could work at that had been, you know, reaching out to me and I had made connections through working with other people. So I had a network okay. of, of other opportunities, um, yeah. which, which definitely made it easier. I didn't know for sure that any of them were going to work out. Like I didn't yeah. know opportunities were actually going to be there, but I was prepared to, you know, make that, make that adjustment and then yeah. figure it out. Have you always been that, that, um, that logical in your decision making or was this like a, a a pivot in your life where everything like you it was a new thing for you to to deal with this kind of pressure yeah you know what uh, most people will tell you that I, i'm i'm really i'm really logical like i think i think before i speak for sure i definitely think things through um that might have been one of the times i was more uh impulsive hmm. than than you know maybe some other times in my life but okay but uh i definitely think things through more often than not, you know, before, before I do something like that, I like to, uh, I like to respond instead of react more often than not. I can appreciate that. All right. So let's, 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 we'll come back to what we left off in the story with, uh, you making that decision, but you kind of let us in on a bit of your dynamic growing up. Can you take us back to like where you grew up, how you grew up? You gave us the nugget of the, the, the detail about your, your parents splitting, but what was, what was childhood like for you and where? Uh, so I am, I was born in Oakland, California, but raised okay. in Richmond, California, which is like 20 minutes, uh, west, east, west. No, it's a little north actually, cause they're both on the water. Okay. Um, and like I said, my father, my mother and father were together, uh, you know, the early part of my life. Um, and then they split and within a couple of years, uh, maybe I say the year or two, uh, my mom remarried. Um, and, uh, you know, I have stepdad, but yeah. my stepdad was, while he was a good dude in, in regards to stepping up and, and being a stepfather, cause that's a hard role. Like I, I always commend dudes who, who step into that, that spot and take over being somebody else's father. That's not right. their kid. Um, but he was a workaholic and, and, and mostly because he had to, because my mom was injured on the job. And so she's been on disability since I was like seven. Wow. Um, and so he had to step up and, you know, he's he was working his regular job and then working side jobs and then working overtime. So I didn't really see him other than like, you know, his days off. And some days he would work his days off and then like dinner time. Right. right. He'd come home from work. He eat, he go to sleep, start all over. Yeah. <clears throat> so while I had a father figure. He was mostly absent. Other than the, like, you know, you, you learn a lot from seeing someone. So sure. I learned how to work hard. Uh, I learned how, how to be a provider. 
Um, I didn't get any like real emotional things from him though. And that's one thing that I'm working on still is, is how to be um, more emotionally available, especially with my daughters. Um, mm. But I didn't get that. Right. Yeah. So it was like, it was, even though my mom had a husband, I was kind of in a single parent household I get it. because it was just me and her. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, other than, like I said, every once in a while he was there, like he might've got a, you know, his vacation week off and he was like, oh man, we're going to the park. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't get that kind of stuff. We didn't get like, you know, him teaching me how to play sports or anything like that. Like anything I learned, I learned in the neighborhood, yeah. um, you know, playing with, with the guys around the block, uh, yeah. some of the older dudes, which could have could have led to trouble because Richmond is a is a especially where I'm from in Richmond is a is a troubled area. Yeah. Um, then all the way to now, well, now it's a little different, right? Like it, it's, uh, uh, I guess we got like Google and all those companies, tech companies right. starting to take over the Bay Area. Uh, so things are a little different. But when I was growing up in the '80s, and '90s, it was rough. It was yeah. real rough, and my neighborhood was one of the roughest. Um, so, paint that picture, man. Paint paint that picture because I have an idea, but it's all it's all cinema based, right? What you see in the movies or what you hear about about what the Bay Area is like. Yeah, E forty, like that's that's the level of my ignorance is of the Bay Area, just E forty, right? Right, paint, right, right. Paint, paint paint that picture, and I know a couple of people from Vallejo. I don't know what that is in relationship to where you're from, but paint paint the picture of what that neighborhood life was like. What when you stepped outside your door, what what was lurking? Okay, so. I lived at the the last house on what they would call a cul-de-sac now, but in my neighborhood, it was a dead end, right? So <laughs> it was sure. like the, the street ended. I was the last house. The next to my house was like a vacant lot. Directly across the street was literally a crack house. Mm. Um, and so on the corner of my street, like it was a, so fourth and main. So main is the cross street, fourth street is the street that I live on. Is literally that like this is a hood. This is like a gang neighborhood. So Fourth and Main was the gang name. So like, wow. You can, as you can imagine, going outside was like, you go outside in the daytime, it starts getting dark. You get inside, right? Right? Because on the corner, there's an apartment complex. But that apartment complex, like if you've seen, uh, you've seen movies like uh, like Training Day, where you talk about going to yeah, the yeah. jungle. Yeah. Right. And he goes in and he pulls into the he pulls down that street, but it's like you know, people on the roof. And yeah. like so it's kind of like that situation. Maybe not wow. as intense all the time, right? Because there's there's normal families that live there. It's not all just the gang, but yeah. but those dudes are there, right? So wow. on the corner, you know, they're checking you to make sure you know you you go into the right place. Um and I think then was a little different than than it is than it was as I was growing up. The older dudes kind of kept you out of it, okay. Right, especially like if you play sports. Like once they knew I played sports, it was like, "Yo, go back inside, get off the corner, uh, yeah. stop hanging out over here," because they didn't want you in the way, right? Um, but then as I got to like being a teenager, right before we moved, it started being a situation where they was like, "Yeah, come on over here, yeah, come uh, over here, little homie. Like, come hang out with us now, yeah, because you're getting to be about that age where you can start doing stuff with us." Um, so when I was young. I knew who everybody was, like I knew who the players were. So yeah. I knew who to stay away from because gotcha. word traveled fast when a guy was was uh was doing something he wasn't supposed to do. Or sure. when somebody was hot. So it was it was uh it was it was tough, man. It was a lot of like 
a lot of at night get get down, right? Gunshots are going off, uh, wow. you know, get in the hallway, hide out kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was like nine, my mom, it was a drive-by on our street. Wow. Um, and some dudes start running. My mom's car got all shot up and insurance wasn't covering that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so we didn't have a car for a while um because of that um you know police sirens and and lights it was it was a hot it was a hot neighborhood and it wasn't like a big one um so it was like one way in one way out we're in the wow. dead end so if trouble was coming our way it was no way to escape it what did you ever struggle with the temptation of leaning into that life versus sports or were you always clear that like this is not for me no nah, no nah, i never felt i never felt comfortable with it you know what i mean like i have friends that that, that dove deep into it yeah. it just never felt right to me um you know i i guess i had a little bit of a moral compass back then and some of the stuff was just like it that ain't right you know yeah. what i mean and then on top of that my mom uh tried to as much as she can she kept us in in, in church sure uh because and, and not necessarily i mean she's really religious but i don't think she kept us in because she was forcing us to be religious but it was more like if you're not playing sports, I can keep you away from everybody if you got to go to Bible study. Yeah. Right. If you got to go to choir, I wasn't even in the choir and I was at choir rehearsal. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. So she was trying to find ways to, you know, keep us safe and keep us away from the trouble. And like I said, I just really never felt comfortable. Like I was, I was adjacent. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I was, I was right next to the dudes I was doing it, even to this, to this day. Like my, some of my friends from my neighborhood are still involved the ones that are still around you right. know that aren't locked up or or you know in the yeah. grave somewhere um are still really into it but i've always known when it like it's starting to go this way and i just yeah yeah i'm a i'm a going back in the house dog y'all y'all doing too much now yeah so sports uh sports became uh a clear focus for you which which sports did you play in and which did you excel at and kind of yeah. So when I was young, I played everything, right? Anything, anything with a ball we played, right? So baseball, soccer, football, basketball. Um, and then as I got older, as I grew, I played baseball all the way through high school. Okay. Um, I played football all the way through high school and I got a football scholarship. So I stopped playing baseball, which maybe I, you know, look back on and, and maybe I should have stayed with, with baseball a little bit more. Um, but baseball is a tough sport. So I, I think I don't regret the way anything played out. You know, I got to yeah. play college football and, and, and gave me some opportunities um, to do some special things. But um, as a kid, we played everything like yeah. it was anything was a game. Right. Anything was a game. Did anything in your uh, your sports career from, you know, through the, the highest level that you played, did you ever find yourself looking for that father figure, that relationship in a coach, did you develop any of those along the way? You know what? I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, because there was a period of my time, a period of time in my life where I didn't want it. You know what I mean? Like I just wasn't, you know, I'm going to be, I'm cool. Like I'm, uh, I'm doing fine without it. Like I don't, I don't need it. And I think that made it harder when my dad did come back into my life. It made it harder to, uh, form the relationship that we have now, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, because I was like, yo, I'm doing fine. Like, I don't, I don't need, I don't need a, a, a guy uh, to, to be my father kind of thing. 
Right. I want to I want to pause right here. We're going to take a quick break here from a sponsor, but I want to pick up with uh, your father re-entering your life. We'll be right back. What's good, fam? I know you're enjoying the episode, but I am excited to share with you today a brand new sponsor to the DSP family. Tate Wellum, T-A-T-E-W-H-A-L-U-N, Tate Wellum, high fashion accessories, watches. I mean, the timepieces are exquisite if i do say so myself i prefer the executive collection there are several to choose from what i need you to do is head over to their website t-a-t-e-w-h-a-l-u-n.com when you get to check out after you fill your basket with all the things that i know you're going to find there use the code the dsp t-h-e-d-s-p for 20 percent off they'll know that i sent you tate Wellen. Black owned, responsibly managed. New sponsor to the podcast. I look forward to the continuing partnership. God bless. Back to the show. All right, we're back. So we 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 dropped off in a story or left off in a story, took a pause in the story where uh you were you were introducing the fact that your, your father came back into your life. Let's let's help us understand the timing, uh your age, you know, and what that what that was like initially. Cause it sounds like there's a relationship that it's matured, but initially how did you process through that? Yeah. So, so like I said, it was, it was a couple years where he wasn't around. Um, he was, he was, like I said, he was dealing with some stuff on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he couldn't, couldn't be, I mean, maybe he wanted to be, maybe, you know, maybe he didn't, I don't, I don't know. I, we've never actually had that conversation. Um, it's funny. My wife, my wife was, uh, I was just talking to her about it. And she's like, I can't believe like you talk to your dad all the time. You guys never talked about that period, like that, that time of your life. And I was like, nah, like we just don't have that conversation. Why, um, why do you, why, let me, let me interject. Why do you think that is? Because I just I had, know. I just did it with my dad four months ago and I'm 42. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, like, know what? What? you know what I think for me is, it's not that I don't, I don't think I'm ready, but I don't think he's ready. You know what I mean? And I don't want to, I don't want to force him. I always felt like if he wanted to talk about it, he would. Right. Cause he, he's, he's not super, he's like me, right. He's not super open with his emotions. Yeah. But he's, if something's on his mind, he's going to tell you. Yeah. So I always felt like if he wanted to have that conversation, he would spark it. Yeah. Um, and I'd be more than willing to go into it with him. I know it's going to be uncomfortable and I know it's going to be a rough one, but, um, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm leaving it to him for now. Right. And he's getting older, so at some point I'm gonna have to press the button on him and be yeah. like, "Yo, you got, we got to talk about what happened." Just from my own clarity. Um, yeah. But like I said, I feel, I feel, you know, I feel like I, everything that happened in my life has happened for a reason. It's got me to where I am. So if I don't know, then I'm okay. But but I'd like to know. I'd like ah, yeah. to know. Yeah. You know? Let let me let me offer, if you would, entertain my perspective. This is not advice by any stretch. So my father is the my father's old school. Like his father didn't talk to him. He was learning how to talk to me as a son on the fly, right? Because he didn't have the reference. Yeah. When we finally had the conversation, the aha moment for me was I was so off-putting as a child and I didn't want the information. He was so used to not offering information to people that didn't want it. So we would have gone the rest of however long our lives are alive together not having a conversation if I hadn't said something. Yeah. I'm just offering that. I'm not saying that that's the case for you, but I was like, well, surely he would say something. He's like, I, you know, and I have a good dad. Like there's no 
salacious stuff like this. I put the distance in between this, but because we weren't equal, like neither one of us was emotionally mature enough to have conversations, have tough conversations, it wasn't going to be had. And we'd be yeah. around each other, you know, holidays or whatever. So, I, you know, for what it's worth, I would just sort of in the just, back of your mind. <laughs> but yeah, let's 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 get back to your pops came back in your life. He had, you know, he had some things to deal with. He came back. Now he's available. What did that look like? Um. So so initially it was like. Like I said, it was it was visitation, right? So okay. it was you know every other weekend, and I was still young enough. Football was I was playing football, but you know because football mostly games were on the weekends. He was able to take me to the games. Yeah. Um, he would come pick me up, um, and so through that we got to spend more time together, um, other than just the weekend. So during football season, you know we spent every weekend together. Okay, right, um, which was really cool because you know football season comes right after the summer, and so as visitation got real, like I would spend the whole summer with him and then we would spend every weekend together. Gotcha. Right. Um, and then, you know, I get that, you know, everybody gets that two weeks or three weeks, if you're lucky, uh, during Christmas time to take mm -hmm. that break. So I would stay the first week with my mom and then the next two weeks I get to go with him. So we start getting like, we hadn't gotten any time for a few years to all of a sudden we're getting like half the year. We get to see each other all the time. Yeah. And like I said, at first it was weird, you know, because you're going from not not ever seeing them to being like, yo, hey, what up, man? Like, right. getting, we're getting close. Like we're having real conversations. We're talking about like, you know, stuff that's going on and in the neighborhood, stuff to stay away from. Uh, gotcha. You know, I'm starting to get some of those real conversations that I, I hadn't gotten or that I felt like I didn't need, but they seemed really important to me at the time. Um and that built, you know, for the next, I would say, probably four years until I got to high school. So all through, I uh, say, probably sixth grade, all the way through middle school, um, we spent a whole lot of time together okay. um, because it, it became a situation where he was he was stable enough to where, uh, you know, he might just come pick me up from school randomly. You know what I mean? Like I'd be waiting at the bus stop and he'd pull up and I'd be like, oh, that's, oh, that's my dad. You know what yeah. I mean? And so it, it was one of those things where we started to build a really solid relationship and I was, I was, you know, I was ecstatic for something that I thought I didn't need, you know? That's, that's really interesting that you said that. Cause I was going to ask about, um, were you young enough to actually form resentment? Like in that space where he was gone. And if so, I mean, it sounds like it, it kind of quickly went out the window, but I don't know, maybe. Yeah, no, you know what? I never really, I never really held on to it. Um, I definitely felt it early. Like, okay. why aren't you here? Yeah. Um, but just, just for transparency sake, my dad was, uh, so right around the eighties, right. The eighties drugs hit mm -hmm. everywhere hard. Right. Yeah. Um, in the Bay area, especially because the, you know, gangs and all that kind of start taking over around that time. So my dad was struggling with, with, uh, drug addiction. Gotcha. Um, and so initially when he was gone i was upset but then we went to go visit him one time in rehab and i actually as a as a kid i felt sorry for him oh wow um wow. you know I, I i had i had seen him used before when they were still together and it was a really weird like weird experience for me uh, yeah. that I, I didn't connect to until i was a, a full a full adult yeah um and then he was gone and I was upset. And then I saw him and I was like, ooh, he's not doing good. Yeah. You know, like I, I can't be mad at him. He's not okay. Um, 
And then it was like another year before I saw him again. And he looked like he did. Like when I saw him at rehab, I guess maybe it was a part of like he had no facial hair. He like he normally like when I saw him as a kid, he had like a little fro. He had like a just a uh, it looked like they just ran a uh, <laughs> just ran a, the clippers over his head. Yeah. He had no lineup or nothing. Like I was like, oh man. And then when I saw him again, he looked like himself. And wow. I was like, you know, that's my dad. Yeah. And it felt it felt good to see him that way. And so the only like I said, the only time I really had any resentment was when it first happened. And then a little bit later in my life, um, I don't know where it came from. He got on me about something, something in school I had done. And in my head, I didn't say it like I didn't say it to him in my head. I was like, it's your fault, you know, and I felt like that for like, a, you know, the whole time he's yelling at me. I'm ignoring him and what he's saying. And I'm like, it's yeah. your fault. Um, and those are the only two times in my life that I remember having any resentment towards him uh, for not yeah. being available, for not being present. Yeah. Um, other than that, like I said, I felt like he there was a time where I felt like I didn't need it. So it didn't matter. Yeah. Right. And then when he came back, it was like he's here and that's all that matters. So I want I want to make sure I got the um the story correct. When your parents split shortly thereafter, your mother remarried. Mm-hmm. That was your stepfather, that was the workaholic, that was a mm-hmm. provider more so than anything. And your dad came back in your life and your stepfather was still part of your your life at that time? Yeah, yeah. Okay. My my mom and my stepfather stayed together until my freshman year of college so from the time i was like six and a half until until i was a freshman in college okay did they did they play nice in the sandbox was there ever any issues with him being available or or, or what perspectives one might throw yeah. to the other yeah 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 um I, I i mean they had their issues um i don't know how he was doing it but at some point in my life i remember he was cheating um and we me and my mom had moved out like we we left, we were gone. We had a like we actually lived in Vallejo for like a year. Gotcha. Um, they split up, and uh, but they didn't get divorced. They split okay. up. We lived separately. He did his thing, but then eventually, over the course of that year, he started showing up a little more. Right? He he was there spending the night, and then next thing I know, mom's like, "Yeah, we're moving back to Richmond." Wow, <laughs> wow, uh, back to the same neighborhood. Yeah. Right back to the same neighborhood, which I'm like, okay, I get to go see my friends, but this neighborhood is nothing like the neighborhood I live in in Vallejo. Like the neighborhood, me and my mom live in a in a two bedroom apartment, but it's two master bedrooms. I got my own bathroom, you know what I mean? I got I got a walk in closet. Like I'm living the dream. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, we're moving back to Richmond, which is a 800 square foot house uh, where we're all on top of each other. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, they had to, they had numerous times where the, the, that was kind of going on um, throughout the course of their marriage, but but uh, like I said, he wasn't around, so I didn't, yeah. you know, they didn't argue too much because he wasn't there to argue, you know what I mean? Or yeah. or he was he was like, yo, I'm too tired for this. I'm going to my room. You got to deal with it, kind of thing. Wow. All right, let's let's uh, let's kind of transition to you moving into an adulthood, right? You you said you got a you, football scholarship and mm-hmm. I'm always interested in the athletes' perspectives, uh, especially those that are scholarship that are, you know, there's added pressures of college. Were you prepared for college physically and mentally and in, in, in playing football on the scholarship? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So I'm I was I'm I was I'm young. I was young. 
uh, I graduated um, at 17 and like I turned 17 in March and was in high and was in college, you know, in in August. Right. Um, So so I was really young uh, mentally and physically. Right. Because when you're in college, you got guys that are 24, 25. Uh, We had a guy or two guys actually that were were marines that had come back to play you know what i mean so these dudes are like 27 and 29 like these are full-grown men um so it it definitely definitely wasn't prepared for that yeah um on the football side of it uh as far as academics go i'd always been a good student so the academics didn't bother me um but but being on your own especially for me because i went from california to michigan um, I didn't have any family in Michigan. My nearest family member was in Memphis, Tennessee. So that wow. ain't close at all. Yeah. Um, I had never really seen snow in person other than like throwing <laughs> some snowballs in Reno once when I was a kid. So yeah. I got out there and uh, I was really on my own. And so I had to, I had to grow up fast. You yeah. know what I mean? I had to, I had to mature really quickly, um, which I think I did uh, kind of, because of my upbringing, you know what I mean? I had kind of been on my own, even though I had sisters, I was the only boy, Yeah. Uh, you know? So a lot of what I did, I did by myself. I was my mom's only child, you know what I mean? So I was I was used to being alone and just my friends. Yeah. So it was cool. I mean, it wouldn't change it for the world, but yeah. it was, it, I definitely wasn't ready for it. How would you, how would you uh, describe your, your career, your college career overall? Are you happy with it? Um. I feel like I could have been better for sure. I feel like I always say if I, if I was a year older, things would have been different because, um, you know, I matured like a year later than everybody else. Um, kind of, you know what I mean? Like I I felt like when I graduated, I graduated, I was just turning 21 that following year. I was bigger and stronger and faster than I had been the year before. Gotcha. Um, and I was like, I was always kind of playing a year, a year behind. Yeah. Um, but the, my, I mean, my career was cool. It, it was what it was supposed to be. Gotcha. Um, I'm not, I'm not as tall as, as I should have been, or not as big <laughs> as I should have been. Not as, you know what I mean? All yeah, and yeah. always look back and nitpick that stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, I had, a, I had a really good career. We, we won a, won a couple conference championships. We okay. were, we were ranked really high at one point. And so I don't complain about it at all. That's dope, man. What did, how did you parlay that experience into your work, your your career post post college? What did you What did you do? It's funny. So I in college. So I went into college as a a, a biomedicine major. Um, I wanted oh. to be I wanted to be a veterinarian. So I spent the first three years uh, in in literally in biomedicine veterinary uh, veterinary studies. Wow. Um, and then I became a starter. Um, and so my schedule changed, right. My schedule became more football laden. It was more important. Right. Yeah. So I would go to class. I would you know, go to weights and all that in the morning, go to class all day, go to practice. And then after practice, I'd go to dinner, but then I had lab from seven to 10 wow. every night. Yeah. So lab seven to 10, then I got to go do homework and then I got to get up the next morning at five. I was like, yo, I, I, I did it for a semester and a half and I was like, classes are only getting harder. Yeah. Right. And football is like, they pay for me to go to school. So I can't be like, yeah, coach, I'm not going to make it. I got a class that's only going to fly so many times. Yeah. So I ended up switching to business because, you know, something they told me business was easy and it, 
at this particular school, it, it was. I mean, it was a lot by that time, right? Junior year is mostly group projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're doing presentations, you're building out a business, like you're doing that kind of stuff. So it was it was easy. Yeah. Um my only issue with the switching uh was was that everybody thought I was just a football kid. You know what I mean? Like they didn't they wanted to do all the work and be like, all right, you could just stand up there with us during the presentation. I'm like, bro, I'm not no dummy. Like right. <laughs> I'm in business because I, I want to keep playing football, not because I'm trying to find the easy way out. Right. Um, so, so that was a struggle, especially because I hadn't been in any of their previous classes. Like all of a sudden, yes. I'm just this new guy in, in, in business. Um, and so I struggled with that a little bit, trying to like separate myself from being the football player and, yeah. and being a student. Um but I, I carried that into, you know, my, once I graduated, I, I got a job at a marketing firm um, doing some some business to business sales, which okay. which was great, uh, made some good money. But I worked too many hours. Uh, you know, I was working 60 plus hours on the on the minimum side. It was 60 hours. Gotcha. Um, and so I hated it. Like, I just did not like it. Um, you know, putting on a suit and a tie every day was not my thing. Um, and so I got out of that and, and got into, into, um, personal training first and then okay. into strength conditioning after. Um, and that's what I've been doing since then. All right. So have you ever had like the, do you ever go through the what ifs of if you had stayed on the biomed track? I mean, you, from biomed to business, I was a business major because I couldn't be a biomed <laughs> major, but, <laughs> but you ever, do, does that ever get to you at any time? No, no. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't, honestly, um, I look back at it and it actually set me up to, to do the strength conditioning. Um, because in order to get certified, you had to have, uh, a degree or some background in, in that particular field or in, yes. you know, some kind of biological science. Yeah. Um, and so by default, I had it, you know what yeah. I mean? I was only two semesters away from graduating with that degree. Okay. Um, so it so it actually ended up working out, and I, I got dogs and cats and we had all this stuff all my life, and I don't think I could be a vet. You know what I mean? I take my dog to the vet now, and I look at the dude, and I'm like, nah, yeah. nah. My yeah. my oldest son, that's one of the things he wants to be as a veterinarian. I might I might have to send you a way to <laughs> have a conversation. Yeah. All right, let's let's um let's get to the fatherhood your current fatherhood. So all of this is part of the journey, but what, what does family come into your life? And I want to, I want to talk about how prepared you were for marriage and family. Cause I got some aha moments for me, but it, woo, mm-hmm. like, like you, if, if I was a year older, if I was two years older and a little bit more mature, right. Things would have been a little different, but yeah, let's hear, let's hear uh, your story. I think, and I'll get back into the story, but I'm going to say this part is I think, I think fatherhood made me a better husband. Um, and my wife can attest to that, um, is that when I became a father, uh, I had, I had, uh, a lot of clarity on my role and my position. I always tell people that, uh, you know, I have been searching for my purpose, um, Mm -hmm. trying different things and working in different fields and professional settings and college, trying to chase in all these different things. And then, when I found out I was a father, I found my purpose. And I think that's yeah. what made it easier for me to step away from some of those other things and focus on being a father. Yeah. Um, all that being said, me and my wife have been together since we, since I was a sophomore in high school and she was a freshman. 
Okay. Um, so we're going on, what is it, 24 or 25 years at this point. Wow. Um, so we've been Congratulations. together for, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, we've been together for a really long time. Um, and we've grown together. I've grown, I've matured and, and, and just yeah. different things. But I think initially, uh, when we got married, I was, I wasn't mature. You know what I yeah. mean? I, I have, yeah. we had been in a relationship, so I knew how to be that guy. Yeah. Um, but, but marriage is another level of, of commitment and growth that's necessary. And I was still just being her boyfriend. You know what I mean? Um, wait, let's pause there. Cause I think that's going to hit. <laughs> that just hit me. Yeah. That just hit me. And I thought, I thought magically after the ceremony, something was going to change in me. No, it takes work, man. You got to actively do that. Right. Yeah. I think any transition in your life, you have to be active in. You can't just let it happen to you. Yeah. you it's got to happen through you, you know? Um, and that's why I said that, that, you know, becoming a father made me a better husband because I was actively working towards being a better man so that I could be a better father. Yeah. I didn't do that going into marriage. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't working on myself. I was like, yeah, we've been together for 10 years. I already know how to do this. Yeah. Let's put a it. ring on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's why I say I was a, I was a, a, a husband boyfriend for, <laughs> for yeah. a few years until we, until we, uh, you know, got pregnant with our, yeah. with our first. What did that, what did that change look like? Can you pinpoint some of the, the major, the major shifts in your thought with, process, your actions, but what did it look I, like? I've always, like I would say, I've always considered uh, other people um, and, and things that I do. Like I said, I like to think before I, before I react or respond. Yeah. Um, and I've always considered other people, but it was at a whole new level. Like I was, res- I felt like I was responsible for another person's life now. That's scary. That is so um, scary. And some of that, you get some of that with marriage. Like, you know, you're taking on this, it's this not other person, same. but it's not the same. Yeah. It's, it's not, not the same, same. at all. Because that's that's a full grown adult. Like if I mess up, she's still gonna figure it out. Yeah. With this kid, it's like, man, if I mess up today, I might not even know it was a mess up until she's twenty five and like something happens and they're like, oh man, we're sitting across from each other on the couch and they're telling the therapist, remember that time? Yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And so I took all of that and uh, I started I started reading books. I started mm-hmm. uh, my kind of own personal development. Um, like journey, right? Yeah. Because I had to figure out, you know, if I was going to be the best father I could be and I had to be the best man first. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And okay. what, um, now I was going to say, what, what do you, um, what has fatherhood taught you the most about yourself? And, and is it, and is it different for each child? You, you, your children are two years apart. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I imagine, some things you didn't get right with number one that you're more aware of with number two, but like what, how did, how, what, what was, what changed in you the most when the child actually arrived and you came, you came to the realization about your responsibilities, but like, what, what yeah. did you learn the most? I think I, I am uh, sometimes still, right. And I'm still, don't, don't God's still working on me. Um, I am very nonchalant about things like I'm very like like I said I'm, when me and my wife first got together the first couple of years she said I ain't had no emotions and that's because like I've experienced some very traumatic things in my life like right. you know and so I've learned to like yo if I'm still here then it's cool 
it's not the worst it's ever been. It's not the best it's ever been. Yeah. Everything is cool. And that doesn't really work well uh, when you got like, I would say women, but I don't want to be sexist, right? But but it doesn't really work well with them. Like they need to they need to feel something from you, yeah. right? And so that's my biggest weakness. Is like my daughter will be crying and I'll be like, are "You all right, man? Are you okay? You okay? Cool, you fine." Like, and then I realize oh, I need to talk. I need to kind of get yeah. into that. Let's talk about it a little bit. How are you feeling? What are you feeling? How are you feeling? Like, how's it? You know, and I, and there's always something, another level to it. With me, it's like you, what you get on the surface is all I'm giving you. Yeah. So that's what you got to go with. Um, and I've learned to kind of be a little bit more gentle. Uh, yeah. Girl, and that works well with that. my wife, too. Um, Incredibly she, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because she, she needs that, too. You know, one thing that I picked up... Um, through this podcast process is a, it's the same thing journey about figuring me out how to communicate better it's called dear son but it, it stems out to my to my life right mm-hmm. and i had a guest on my um mikhail brown early on mm-hmm. and he said you know Mikhail. he said mm-hmm. at the end of it he asked his children what do you need from me not what do you need me to buy what do you need from school tomorrow but am i am i showing up for you enough and i it was a i was like if I got nothing else from this conversation, I had to thank him because I never do that. I'm, I'm provide, yeah. provide, provide, show, present an emotion, you know, systematically so that it looks like I'm in tune and doing all of this. But I never asked, and I kind of went back to the postpartum uh, thing that I referenced earlier. I never asked my wife, uh, let alone my kid, like, am I am I enough for you? What mm-hmm. what is missing in what you expect from me and what I'm giving you? And and it's a very tough. It's tough to think about it. And I stayed in my head quite a bit before I started asking. Mm-hmm. But it's it's I was surprised by the answers that I got back and it's been helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. You know, it, it's it's a tough thing. It's it's I don't know if it's so tough to navigate as it is tough for us to get out of our way as men. Right. Or right. as me, right? Um, right. And, right, and just, right, right. just become the be the person that deep down you really want to be. Like I don't want to be mean mugging all the time. I just got so used to mean mugging. That was my face. Yeah. And I'm sure I missed a lot of opportunities and a lot of moments inside and outside of my home. Just, um, just not dealing with me. Um, what, what, if we were to take you out of this seat and put your oldest daughter in the seat, what would she say <laughs> the type of father that you are? Um, uh, my oldest is, is, uh, I don't know. I, I say they both they both are daddy's girls, right? Okay. But my oldest is like she's on my hip kind of. You know what I mean? Like she she's like my road dog. Like it, it they both are, but like she's she's ride for daddy no matter what. Like yeah. you know, later for you mommy. Uh I'm riding for daddy no matter what. So um I'm sure she would say some very very loving things. Mm. Um but I know one thing that I've heard her say, and I've even heard her sister say, is that daddy's serious. Um, and she didn't say it negatively, but when she said it, I felt it. Yeah. You know, daddy's always serious. Um, and as much fun as we have, as much laughing as we do, yeah. as much goofing around as we do, she still feels that. Yeah. And so, actually, they just said it last night. While while we were making a, a, a Instagram reel where we were laughing and joking and playing yeah. around, afterwards I said it's time for bed. And she's like, "Daddy's always so serious." Dang, 
I haven't figured it out, man. I've been I've been in that mode so long in my life, and especially my experience in corporate America. Like there's a there's a stress of always being on point, right? Always yeah. got to be on point. Always got to be ready. Always have the right answer, the right path to the solution. And I never turn it off when I come home. Yeah. And yeah. I get the same thing. It's like, no, but we have intentional fun. Yeah, that that period is fun, but like you, you you always serious. Like we don't even like sometimes we don't even want to approach you, and I'm completely unaware of it. Right. right. So that's definitely something I got to work through. Um, what 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 makes you nervous about the next stage of, of fatherhood as your as your daughters grow and mature? Uh, so I got a nine year old. The next stage, I think, is is you know her being an adolescent, being a teen, right? Because the next few years is kind of the same, right? She's still yeah. still Hopefully. underneath. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's underneath that kind of teen teen thing, right? She's a she's a fourth grader, so in a couple of years she'll be in middle school. Yeah. Um, I've worked in middle schools. I know what the middle schools. I was in middle school. Like yeah. I know what the middle <laughs> right. schools are like. Right. Um, and so I am right now hoping that we are preparing her for all of the 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 wild things that come with being a middle schooler um because she lives a very sheltered life and i tell my wife this all the time it's like we got to go send her we got to send both of them to like my cousin's house and my aunt's (laughs) house and just let them stay for a weekend because they we have done a really good job of providing a life we didn't have for them but I, sometimes I feel like it's at their detriment. It's like they don't have the street smarts that I had to have. And I don't need them to have them at the same level, yeah. right? But I need them to be aware of like aware. something might not be going right right here. Yeah. Like be around it, where your surroundings. And they're so comfortable in their life. It's like, yeah, they're just kind of walking through life. Like, you yeah. know, <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm like, yo, when they get to middle school, some of those like, some of those adult themes are going to start happening. And absolutely they're not ready for it. Yeah. Like I know they're not ready now and maybe over the next couple of years we can prep them. Um, especially my older one. Um, yeah. because my younger daughter, she's, she's a little bit tougher, right? Okay. She's a little bit more rough and tumble. And so she, she's, she's probably going to be a little more ready for that, okay. but I don't know. You never know. Right. But, yeah. but at least she's kind of given off that vibe now. Yeah. Um, but my oldest is like head in the clouds, like like this. Her her saying her thing is life is lit, right? <laughs> and she just because she just doesn't know that it's 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 other stuff out there that yeah. you know it's other people that life isn't lit, and they are looking for yeah. an opportunity to bring somebody else down with them. So that's the one thing that I'm like concerned about is like they are going to one day walk out of this door and meet life, yeah. um, and I don't think they have yet, you know. Yeah. What what do you think the best version of you looks like? I mean, we work to it every day, but like, what what do you, what do you think some of the gaps are to get to that best version? Um, as I mentioned, man, I'm still working on on um, my own personal emotional intelligence um, yeah. with with my family and with myself, like getting getting a deeper connection with who I am on a daily basis um, and being that without any restrictions, yeah. right? Because there's like uh, like you said about me mugging. Um, and we talked about E40 at the very beginning, but E40 is like, you know, I got a mirror in my pocket and I practice acting hard. It's like, yeah. that was a real thing in my neighborhood. Like you couldn't wow. come out of the house looking soft because people would pick on you. Yeah. Right. They would, they would, they, they could smell it from a mile away. And I was a nerd at the time. You know what I mean? I was, I was heavy in the school and books and science and all that. So I had to look the part. 
Yeah. Uh, because it, once they found out I liked like you know science, it was like, oh man, you smart. <laughs> you <laughs> right, know? right, 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 right. So, um, so for me, it's like kind of shedding that, shedding that kind of hard exterior. Not to yeah. be soft. Like I don't, I don't, you know, I, I would hate to be categorized as soft, but I do want to be in touch with my my own emotions a little right. bit more being able to be vocal about them. I think a lot of times as men, we don't talk about it. Yeah. Maybe, you know, society tells us that we can't have those feelings or that we shouldn't feel that way. And so yeah. we continue to perpetuate that. But, uh, but for me and, and my family, I definitely want to be in, in connection with my feelings and be able to tell my wife or my daughters, Hey, this is why I'm responding this way. Right. This is why I'm saying it. This is why I feel like I feel or I'm at. This is why it looks like I'm being serious. Yep, right. And being able to have that that conversation and have them have an understanding because it's not foreign to them to hear me talk that way. Yeah. Context, man. I um, I think I think I want to end on that note, man. That's been a, it's been a great conversation. It's been really great getting to know you. I'm a fan of what you do, the messages that you promote. Uh, one day I'm gonna get back in the gym. We're not gonna talk about that right now. But, um, <laughs> let, let the let the people know what you have going on because I know you have challenges. I know you have plans. Uh, mm-hmm, like forfeit mm-hmm. fatherhood is not is is very indicative of the the type of man you are and, and the service that you're offering. But let the let the folks know how they can find you. Let them know about your products. Just take the spotlight. We'll do. We'll do. We'll do. Um, so I guess, I guess first and foremost, since we're on a podcast, I will, I will mention, and we mentioned before that I also have a podcast. It's the Forfeit Fatherhood podcast. Um, and like this podcast, it, you know, we're, we're talking about fatherhood with fathers, um, uh, sometimes myself, but we're touching on the four, four tenets of fatherhood, which is family, faith, finance, and fitness. Um, you know, so there's some financial literacy parts. There's some, some, you know, religion based parts there's you know obviously we talk about family we can't get around that Um, but that last part is fitness um and the reason that i think that's important is obviously it's in my wheelhouse it's what i do but for me if i want to be the best father i can be right like i love fatherhood and i'm assuming if somebody's listening to this podcast they love fatherhood i would like to be a father for as long as humanly possible and the only way for me to do that is if i'm healthy Right. So I got to make sure that I'm taking care of my fitness. Right. Not only that, but like when you have young children, they require you to move and run yes. and play and jump. And like if you're out of breath or you don't have the energy because you had to work uh, and you can't give that to your kid, you can't be present and available. I think you're leaving something on the table in terms mm. of fatherhood. Um, so I actually work with fathers who are who are trying to be more present and available. Um, so that some other person, some coach or some teacher isn't the the actual father figure in their life. Right. Um, you know, so helping helping guys lose weight and, and you know, losing the weight is honestly a byproduct. Right. Because more of what we do is, is when we have our coaching calls, we're talking about stuff like this. Right. We're talking about, you know, personal development and things they can do to make themselves better um, as a man. And, and as a result, they might lose 20 or 30 pounds along the way. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's all about who you become on the journey, not the destination, right? So if we get 30 pounds off you and you start to look good and you walk into the room and your wife is looking at you different, that has a, you know, that has a a big impact on how you can show up in your life, right? But if you, if you show up and you're uncomfortable and what you got on, your kids want to go swimming, but you got to wear a t-shirt, you know, that kind of stuff changes the experiences that your family has around you. Um, and so, like I said, the fitness part of it is, is huge. 
Um, and right now, just being specific, I, I have a, a, a New Year's kind of thing, right? Every year around New Year's, everybody's got resolutions. And one of those big things is that uh, everybody wants to lose weight, right? So I believe in numbers like something like 87% of people have losing weight as one of their New Year's resolutions. The mm -hmm. only problem with that is that by the end of the year, only 2% hold it. So I, uh, along with, you know, with those resolutions that I step in and we do a 28 day challenge where I, I help you, uh, build out what's, what's really missing, which is the mindset. Of course, okay. there's the diet and there's the exercises, but building out a mindset that's going to lead to sustainable weight loss over the course of the year. So you're actually working towards your goals. It's really more of a, a, a goal creation goal execution challenge than it is a weight loss challenge. And got again, it. like I said, weight loss just kind of becomes the byproduct. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, we'll make sure to have all of the information below linked in the description. If you're on audio, check the, uh, just scroll down in the, in the, uh, the description of this episode, of course on YouTube, you'll see it there as well. Um, I, I appreciate you, man. Like I said, we, we've been, uh, we've been having exchanges and passing via social media and I'm glad we finally locked in to get this done. Yeah. Uh, it's been a pleasure to understand your story. A lot of it resonates with me, as I'm sure will uh, it will with the audience. Uh, so, so thank you. Hopefully, this won't be our, our last conversation because, as I say with every guest, we didn't get to we didn't get to half of the stuff that you know that I would really want to dig into, and, yeah. and just just kind of look at the progress. That's that's the other thing. This I don't want this podcast to be woe is me. We got problems. Here's some of the things that we're doing to fix, and here's how we're progressing. Right? I want to look at it from that perspective too. So. Um, definitely guys check out the, the, uh, the link in the description below, uh, his information, uh, while we're on it, my listening audience, if you're on the audio platforms, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, we're on audible too, which is really cool. Please rate the podcast. It means something. It's not just, uh, something that we ask you to do. So rate mine, rate, uh, uh, Roz as well. If you're on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and you hit the notification bell so that you're aware of this content when it is dropping. I am not going to prolong this any further. <laughs> we appreciate you guys. God bless you. Peace. The Dear Son Podcast is produced by D. John's Live Studios. All rights reserved. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.